Migration isn't going to end. We always go on about this, don't we? We always talk about this. It's mm -hmm. not something I enjoy talking about anymore, but it's important to talk about it because any time that you think it's got bad, it will get worse. Because recently we covered the William Hague, was it Spectator article, where he said that we're only just entering the age of migration. And I look around Swindon Town Centre and I think only just. I feel like we're already in the late stages, but okay, if that's where it's going. Uh, but now there has been more bad news. <laughs> More bad news, everybody. Sorry to break it to you. But before I get into the bad news, uh, there's some good news, which is the la latest episode of Comics Corner with me and Connor is out. Uh, Comics Corner number nine, where we're talking about the complete history of superhero comics. Now, if you've ever wanted is that to that report see, of the week there? It uh, looks like him. The guy in black and white. It, it, does, <laughs> it does look like him. I'm sure he's immensely disappointed in you right now. Um, uh, this is If you've ever wanted to see Connor really tap into the depths of his autism, this is the episode to see it. This has Dear been Lord. a true passion project of his for a long time. He's wanted to go on about the history of comic books. And this is only part one, and it's about two and a half hours. So we go from the late 1800s all the way through to the mid-20th century to when the Hayes Code put in the Comics Code Authority, which censored a lot of comic books. So if you're interested in that, you want to learn something, not necessarily something useful, but if you want to learn something, <laughs> That's fun. Uh, that's maybe going to put a smile on your face. Please check that episode out. We put a, well, Connor put a lot of hard work into it, and big respect to him for that. And now on with the bad news. So the government has decided they're going to relax immigration rules for construction workers as Brexit labour shortages bite. <sighs> More migration, everybody. Good news. I will be going through this article, so bear with me because there will be a, a, a decent amount of info to go through because we're going to get the reasons why we need all of these new construction people in. So the constru uh, construction industry has said that it needs more to be done to close shortages in the long term. So I've looked through the government website and there are lots of shortages at the moment. Supposedly, it says in this article, about 21,000 as of December of 2022. And one of the reasons for those shortages will be because of the fact that we have increased demands for production in, in construction industries like housing because of the fact that we are importing hundreds of thousands, if not millions net of foreigners. 500,000 people a year. It was net 606,000 last year. Blimey. An so, extra 60, and it would have been right on the money. This is like a, a weird sort of immigration pyramid scheme, isn't it? It's a fetish. Where you need more immigrants to, to cater to the needs of immigrants, and therefore you need more immigrants to get more... Ugh. It's yes. just ridiculous. Just like, yeah, we need more people to build houses because we flooded the country full of more people than we can possibly support. So more immigrants is the solution. There is also to be spoken about in terms of other construction projects, there's the complete money pit that is HS2, which I will cover at the end of this segment. And then there's the fact that um, this is a complete institutional failure on the part of the English government to actually encourage people to go into more practical and skills-based work. Because after the Tony Blair years, you had a massive push for people to go to university and get degrees that don't actually train them up in anything that you can use to transfer into skills-based work, practical work. Uh, you end up going into service jobs or just not working a job that's related to your there's, degree at all. There's good money in construction as well. I, yes. I think people need to go into schools and say, actually, don't listen to your teachers who've already been to university by merit of them being a teacher. And their performance is judged on how many students go to university. And so they have lots of incentives to tell you that it's the best thing for you when actually it might not be. And actually, getting a trade is probably a really good idea. You can end up starting your own business and making good money and actually 
for most people, they'd probably be much better off. But there's also a lot that goes on in here when they talk about unemployment, because they say that unemployment is at record lows. And therefore, we have all of these shortages that can't be filled by people because everybody's already employed. Therefore, we need to import more people in. Government fudges those numbers, as you can imagine. And I'll explain to you how they fudge those numbers in just a little bit. But I'll go through the rest of this article first. So the government has been forced, forced they have, to relax immigration rules for construction workers. What's happened is the market forces have got them by the throat and they just can't do anything but, okay? After it was warned that the new Brexit red tape is causing labor shortages on building sites, bricklayers, roofers, carpenters, and plasterers are among occupations who will, find it, uh, who will again find it easier to come and work in Britain after the Home Office added the trades to its shortage occupation list. The government's Migration Advisory Committee are the ones in charge of this shortage occupation list when it comes to determining what needs to be opened up for more migration. Because, of course, central government planning always goes well, doesn't it? And I wonder if the Migration Advisory Committee, which was a Blairite project, by the way, it came about in 2007, so it was either implemented by Blair or Gordon Brown after he immediately took over. I wonder if they're going to find that the answer to every question is more migration, because Mm. that is literally their job. But they said in March that the decision to leave the EU with the consequent ending of freedom of movement, as well as COVID-19, had had significant effects on the industry. Despite a push to train more domestic workers and attempts to improve recruitment and retention to fill vacancies, the construction sector was still suffering from shortages, which do not show signs of abating, said the committee. But under the latest change confirmed by the Home Office on Monday, businesses will now be able to recruit from abroad without having to meet such stringent sponsorship requirements. Construction industry groups welcomed the change, but said there were deeper problems that needed addressing to permanently close the labor shortfall and fill vacancies, perhaps, for instance, training our own domestic workforce to be able to fill these vacancies. As you said, these jobs pay well, as they should. They are very important. As much as we go on about how we can't pave over the entirety of England to be able to make up for all of the migrants that we bring in, if we were to stop the migrants, we would still need a construction industry. Of course, yeah. Because at the end of the day, uh, I've been speaking to some people who've made much better arguments recently on this than people like Tom Harwood ever could. You don't necessarily want to pave over the whole country. But there is a lot of deficient housing stock in the country that could be demolished and made way for much better housing and much better quality housing. Yeah, I'm much more in favor of building better quality housing than more of it. And Absolutely. actually, I would like to see you know a complete end to any immigration and a gradual population decline, if, if possible, because... If you look into the figures, you'll see the native population of England and Wales and Scotland has already been declining the over the main past problem is anyway. that the, the, nat- the non-native population is not. No, they're vastly increasing, which you could almost describe as a form of population replacement, a great replacement, perhaps. But I've been mm. told that if I do that, I'm on an ADL list somewhere, as well as the SPLC. Um, but when we mentioned the new housing as well, one of the problems with a lot of the new housing, as Callum has been covering on the podcast, uh, podcast quite frequently, is the new builds that are being built in England are terrible quality. They are, yeah. They you they get kind of want to avoid in. them. I wonder if that has anything. Yeah, I wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that um, the people that we're bringing in aren't as well qualified. If we're well, I've actually heard from uh, some people who work in the construction industry that they have sometimes people who barely speak English. And they've got multiple different languages there. And they've got a sort of Tower of Babel situation where they've got to coordinate everyone's work as a team. And sometimes, you know, there's a lot of things lost in translation, quite literally. Yeah, I I know from friends of mine who work on railway sites as well, that a lot of the more practical industries are also starting to bring in 
uh, a lot of diversity hire women to be managers on the sites as well. And I uh. hate to say it, ladies, I love you, but <laughs> it turns out most of the women that they're bringing in are not prepared to be able to handle a team full of men. And instead of actually doing any proper work, they instead mm -hmm. tone police the humor that the men on the site use instead of actually getting anything practical done. Imagine my shock. I'll carry on. The number of vacancies in the construction sector was 65% higher in the three months to January 2023 compared to immediately before the pandemic in March 2020, also according to the advisory. Once again, I looked into the government figures here, and according to their projections, by 2028, half of the jobs, literally 50%, slightly more, it was like 50.3% of all the jobs in the construction sector will need to be replaced with new people because of people retiring, because a lot of the people in that sector tend to be older, because once again, we've not been actually training the people to replace these. So unless we go really, really hard on training people to replace them, then of course the answer will end up having to be, according to the government, well, we're going to have to import more migrants in. Fantastic. Figures published separately by the Association of Professional Staffing Companies show that there was a sharp climb in construction job vacancies at the end of last year, 21,000, as I said. It is vital that the construction is able to fill vacancies and quickly address shortages around particular roles. So we welcome the news that five occupations will be added to the shortage occupations list, which help the industry continue to deliver the schools, homes, hospitals, and infrastructure we need, said Susanna Nicholl, MBE, Chief Executive of the Industry Body Build UK. But those aren't the only things on the shortage occupation list that the Migration Advisory Committee has decided we need to open up for. It's not just construction. Construction, you could at least make the allowance for, okay, we are building things. We need things built. So you can make an excuse for that. But do you want to hear some of the other things on there? Are we, have we got some sort of barista shortage? Have we got a shortage of McDonald's workers? It's close to being as frivolous. So shortage occupation list includes dozens of trades and professions ranging from civil engineers, okay, social care workers, archaeologists, We've got a shortage of archaeology. Apparently. And but loads of, uh, surely, um, I know people who've studied archaeology and couldn't get a, a job in it, even though they did well at university. So what on earth is going that's on? That's not the worst one, though. Apparently, we have a shortage of ballet dancers. <laughs> well, since we've uh, kind of severed ties with Russia, that's become a lot more difficult. I'd imagine so. But also, can you imagine that um, you know all of these Africans we're bringing in, all of them, not just doctors, not just nurses, not just civil engineers, ballet dancers. Every last one of them. Next time we're watching one of those boats come in, we go, ballet dancers. There's a new batch of ballet dancers to fix our shortage. <laughs> Can't wait to see the pirouettes that they can bring. The government said in March that it would bring forward the changes for construction workers, which are now taking effect. It, re however, resisted including hospitality workers in the charges, seemingly for completely arbitrary reasons. Being included in the list, and this is what it does, relaxes the conditions to obtain a skilled worker visa, which usually requires a job to hit the going rate salary threshold for that occupation in the UK. Workers on the shortage list generally only need to be paid 80% of the going rate. So it will suppress wages. Who would have thought that having a larger supply of people makes wages lower. I mean, that's only basic economics. Not even just in the pure basic economic supply and demand sense as mm. well, but also institutionally, what the government is doing is artificially suppressing the wages because yes. now all of a sudden, these shortages, instead of, if, you, if, right, if you're a business and you have a choice, you get the native domestic worker, you will have to pay the full amount, 
or the cheap foreign labor. You're going to go with the cheap foreign labor. And shockingly enough, they will probably produce much lower quality work as well. So prepare for mud huts and dirt roads in your area <laughs> soon. And if we go to the next link I've got here, so this has been um, spoken about in terms of the shortages and the way we need to fill these job vacancies as well by other senior Tories, Brexiteers, every one of them, so traitors as far as I'm concerned. But at least this guy, George Eustace, says we need people from the EU. Because is that the point we've got to now where the, the immigrants of the past are now more desirable once more? Yes, they are. Yes, they actually are. I mean, he brings up a decent enough point where he says, we're allowing in people who are deemed skills such as lawyers, insolvency practices, museum officers, and even DJs when we have no shortages in those sectors whatsoever. I What's want there to be less DJs, not more. I went to university to study a degree in media. The the market for DJs and people trying to work in the radio is absurdly competitive because there is such a limited amount of people across the country. The DJ market is more saturated than Joe Biden's underwear, so <laughs> we don't need any more. It's probably just as saturated as something like the YouTuber market, the amount of children out there who decide that what do you want to be when you're older? An influencer. Oh, well, good luck with that, Sonny Jim. I hate that term. I, I, I know, but um, anyway, carrying on. He says, we're not allowing people to come here who work in sectors like the food industry, even though there are acute labor shortages in these sectors, and that is contributing to inflation. Is that how inflation works? It doesn't sound like it. I thought inflation works where you print more money, mm -hmm. which means the money you already have is worth less because there's now more of it. That's normally how it works, yes. Yes. Interesting how nobody in the government seems to know how inflation works or refuses to say because they already know, but they know it's their fault. Mr. Eustace said that the agreement should see EU citizens under 35 allowed to live and work in the UK for two years, so it's not complete freedom of movement like we had before, but UK citizens would be allowed to do the same in EU member states with which deals were struck. So, I hate to say it, better than what we've got right now, because you know what happened in 2019? Well, can you give it a guess? I've got ONS figures up here, I'm about to go to a graph. Can you guess what happened in 2019 regarding the kind of immigration that we were getting into the country? Did it change to lots of outside of Europe immigration by any chance? Is Bob it? on. Yes, uh -huh. it did. Look at that. In between December of 2019, around the uh, mid to late 2019, what happened is not only did it overtake um, EU migration, the non-EU migration, it absolutely skyrocketed. So you could at least say before we were taking in too many people, but there were at least people who are of cultures close enough to be able to more easily assimilate, who didn't have mm -hmm. massive cultural problems that cause major issues within our country. We had lots of Polish people come over, and I've never had a negative experience with them, ever. Neither have I. And I've met many. I, I know many Polish people. I mean, I'm from the north. That's where they tend to go. <laughs> and they all tend to be very nice people. Mm -hmm. Whereas a lot of these people coming from non-EU countries... I can't say the exactly the same of. Yeah, there's a sort of a weird third world vibe on the streets of England these days of, am I going to get machete to death? Am I going to get stabbed or robbed? And Possibly. The, if the, you make the, the parent, move, maybe. The parent countries that they're coming from aren't necessarily nice countries. It's that they're bringing the values of their parent nation and Which are with not it British crime. values. No, definitely not. No, and then... Let's look at how the government's fudging the numbers as well. So um, I think that's the same article. So if we go to this one, so skilled worker shortage. Okay, so this was the, um, that's not the one that I was looking for, actually. No, here it is. Sorry, there was an extra one in there that shouldn't have been there. 
So this is talking about the um, way that it operates when you open it up. And so it says, once an occupation is added to the shortage occupation list, employees recruiting for this occupation are subject to more favorable migration arrangements, most notably a reduced salary threshold, but also marginally lower fees, enabling employers to access a wider pool of suitable workers. So that's just reinforcing that's going to be suppressing wages. But then we see some of the scraps talking about why exactly they have to do this. This might just take a moment. So let me scroll down to graph 2.3. It's also worth mentioning as well, before you get onto the graph, that yep. you're not going to get many Europeans with 20% lower wages, are you? Because yeah. that's not necessarily much better than Where on the continent. Where they coming from. Yeah, so it seems deliberately engineered to get people outside of Europe and, no and North America as well. Yes, but what we have here is the economic inactivity graph from ages 16 through 64. So this is within a range wherein people would be able to work before retirement age, and they are just they're not classed as unemployed, because mm -hmm. then that would look really bad on the unemployment graph. What they instead are is economically inactive. <laughs> the parasite indices, yes. And we can see that it's about 20%. It, it fluctuates. Horrifyingly high. Yeah, it fluctuates, but it's about 20%. And if you want an explanation of what economic inactivity is, this article has a, a, a very nice explanation. So whilst unemployment has remained low, there's been a notable rise in economic inactivity since the start of the pandemic. I mean, that rise is only about maybe one to one to one and a half percentage points if mm -hmm. you look at the graph, but that's a notable rise here, which means that we need to import thousands and thousands and possibly millions of Africans, which has not been reflected in most other OECD economies. This has largely been driven by an increase in young people entering or remaining in full-time education, particularly in 2021, and by an increase in inactivity due to long-term illness, particularly 2022. Sustained high inactivity is pre uh, predominantly being driven by the 50 to 64-year-old age group. And okay. it's unclear whether individuals in this group are likely to re-enter the labor market. So people taking early retirement. People taking early retirement. 50 is quite young yes, in this country, at is. least. Uh, it's mainly, be I mean, my dad retired at uh, 68 years old. He's 69 right now, soon to be 70. And I don't want to embarrass you, dad, but he's got so bored of it that he's taken on a paper route on a bicycle. <laughs> That's literally what my dad does just for in his, in his spare like time. That's like going back to his childhood. It, it actually is. I mean, he grew up in the 50s and 60s, so it actually is like going back to his childhood. Um, so I can't imagine it's particularly interesting. But these people are choosing to do it, presumably because there are no incentives for them to continue the work that they're doing. There's very little incentive to work in Britain at all. Yes. Government steals most of it. Well, yeah, you're having your money stolen from you. And if you are of that age group, I imagine you're probably going to be less tolerant of all of the new DEI stuff that is coming through. Mm. You're going to be being replaced by people who are not from your country and are vastly less qualified than you and are suppressing your wages. So what's the point in sticking around? You're going to retire early. And therefore, you can get added to the economic inactivity graph and use this more justification for why we need even more low-paid migrants to come in and take your jobs. It's unclear whether, uh, sorry, the Bank of England does not forecast any substantial change in labor market participation over the next couple of years. So as I mentioned, what this graph tells me is that we've got um, quite a few people who, if given the proper training and incentives, could take the jobs that we've got shortages of all you would need to do is identify who those people are and provide them with the proper incentives mm. and training. But instead, what we need to do is do Infinity Africans into the country. 
um, and import thousands of people. And if you go back to these sorts of graphs back in the day, um, the, I found this one on economic inactivity that goes from beyond tw uh, 2015 as well, which is obviously when um, the Arab summer happened and you had lots of uh, Arab, Arab spring, spring yeah. happened and you had lots of people migrating over to Europe. Uh, this one goes back to 2008. And if you see here, 2008 was actually much higher levels of economic inactivity, probably due to something like the financial crisis that happened at the time. I say much higher, it was about almost 24%, when instead now it's almost 21%. So it's only been a 3% drop, but it was actually higher. But that's still a societal level, a very significant change, isn't it? It still is a significant change, but at the same time, that means that it was higher back in 2008, and yet, even though we had unacceptable levels of immigration then, we still weren't importing a gross of over 1 million per year. Yeah. So what's going on? Hmm. Very interesting. Once again, I think when I look at a lot of this information, it points to me that a lot of this is coming from malice from the people in charge. I, do, I honestly think they have given up hope and hate the English people. I think they to get rid of them. Yeah, we're, we're fawning their side for their machinations and their schemes. Certainly we are. But uh, yeah, so overall, what I'm seeing is a Ponzi scheme of rising housing, uh, house prices due to the absurd levels of immigration that we're getting, driving demand for new homes and construction to accommodate all of the other mad government plans as well that we've got like HS2. Just to touch on this very briefly, HS2 is a big high-speed railway project that will be going straight through the center of England all the way from, uh, I'm unable to do it there, so here we go, going all the way from London, Euston, all the way to the top of Carlisle. So from one end of the country, all the way to the top, and it'll be passing through Birmingham, it'll be passing through Stafford. My hometown of Crewe is on there as well. And if you want an indication of what HS2 coming to your town does, it destroys it. Because what it does is the entire council decides to hustle as fast as possible to make your town as accommodating as possible to people who will live in London. So they destroy all the business, knock all the buildings down, and then if you're anything like crew, they then realize, hold up, we don't actually have enough money to rebuild everything that we just knocked down, so your entire town becomes a desolate wasteland. Thanks very much for that one, HS2. But the important thing I want to note here is, as with all government plans, estimated investment. And this is from April 2023, if we see here. The estimated investment needed is £65 billion. That's already a lot of money. It is, yeah. Okay. But how much does it actually cost? Well, it's constantly being delayed. It was originally announced back in 2009. Major construction project would create a lot of jobs, a lot of jobs that apparently people aren't willing to fill because they're taking early retirement, so we need to replace them with migrants. And uh, how much does it cost? Well, the whole project, which will connect Houston to Manchester, had been scheduled to final completion from 2035 to 2040. So this isn't even a five-year plan. This is a 30-year plan from the government because they always work that's, out so great. That's rare, actually, that they think so far forward, to be fair. Yes, but Harper said the section between the city of Birmingham and the town of Crewe around 60 miles to its north would be rephased by two years. He did not set a new completion date for the whole northern section linking Birmingham to Manchester. HS2 was expected to cost between £72 billion and £98 billion at 2019 prices, but since then the bill has been pushed up by inflation which ran at around 18% in the construction industry last year, affecting materials like timber, steel, and concrete. 2019 budget was already a big jump from the 2015 estimate of £56 billion. Project has already been scaled back as well. 2021, government scrapped a planned link to Leeds, citing spiraling costs. So we need more migrants so that we can have 
more houses. And then once we've got more houses for more migrants, we'll need more jobs, which means we create massive government projects to give them massive jobs. And then the government projects end up costing us more money because, Mm. of course, the people in charge of these projects have no bloody idea what they're doing, have no idea how much it will actually cost, and are, frankly, making all of this up as they go along. This seems like a sort of high-speed money laundering operation wrapped up in a Rooseveltian nightmare. Possibly, but that's all I've got for that one, folks. Good luck in the future. If you appreciated that segment from the podcast of The Lotus Eaters, you can go to lotuseaters.com to get access to all the premium content that's on the site, such as the premium videos, this one on why ideology is theology. If you'd like to find out what else is being put out, you can follow on Getter at lotuseaters underscore com on Getter. Thank you and goodbye.